Uh, this uh, message here, uh, what did Jesus say about my prayer life? I want to encourage you that the Gospels, in the Gospels, Jesus referred to prayer or taught us about prayer at least 25 times in the Gospels. You know, Jesus was excited about prayer. And I want to just give you a little hint. When we think about our prayer life, Jesus is excited about your prayer life. You know, you might think, oh, Jesus, I feel ashamed. You know, I don't know. If I was talking about my prayer life, I'd feel like, oh, no. I don't know if you'd really be that proud of me. But I want to tell you right off the bat that Jesus is excited about the times that you take to pray. To encounter him in prayer. You know, Jesus showed us. If you got the notes, I want to encourage you to fill in the blanks. Because we're going to use this in our prayer times today. And this is the first one. Jesus showed us that prayer was a foundational practice to encountering God's grace, right? So it wasn't something that we, we had to, you know, go to church for 30 years. We didn't have to go to Bible school. We didn't have to fast for three days or anything like that. Prayer is foundational in the life, in our lives. It's the very first thing that we do to encounter the goodness and the grace of God. You know, the reason that the hope of Jesus is referred to as the gospel, the hope of Jesus is referred to as the gospel, which means good news, right? Gospel means good news. You know, the gospel is not just news, right? It's not just CNN or MN, whatever, all those other ones, and CBC and CTV. It's not that. It's good news. It's good news because Jesus turned religion on its ear. What religion spent years and years trying to do was find the key that would bring us hope. Instruction, changing our our abilities, our actions, how we lived, whatever. All those things would, would please God. Well, Jesus turned it around and he provided for us freely what we would need to put our trust in Jesus, put our trust in him, and encounter the presence of God. And we do it right through prayer. And Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's you will encounter the acceptance of God. Before you were rejected, before you were ashamed, and Jesus steps into the picture, and we declare with our mouths, we say, I believe you, Jesus, are God's son. I declare you who, you're who you say you are. And all of a sudden, I'm given this good gift of God's grace, his empowering presence that brings me into his presence. It forgives me, it changes me, it heals me, it restores me, it redeems my life. It isn't a changed life that gets God's attention. It isn't penance. You know, that's like doing things, suffering, paying extra in the offering or or uh, taking, so, oh God, I'm going to be good, I promise, for the next, next week, if you will bless me, or whatever. Penance, it's not penance that gets God's attention. It isn't knowledge that gets God's attention. It's the revelation and the declaration of who Jesus is that will transform us. When you get the revelation, oh, 
Jesus, you are God's son. You died for my sins. You made a way for me to know God's presence. And we declare it with our mouth and we believe in our heart. The Bible says you will be saved. You will be delivered from your affliction. You will be delivered from your sin. You'll be delivered from your shame. You will be delivered and brought into new life. Your heart, your mind, your spirit would declare with your mouth. And it will invite Jesus to do what we could never do and what the law could never do. Putting our faith in motion. That's what we're talking about. It's about putting our faith. It's putting what we believe into motion. It's about practicing what we believe. Putting it into practice. It's not about knowledge. It's about obedience. <laughs> Sometimes we know, we know, you know the Holy Spirit reveals it to us, or we have learned. We know what to do, but sometimes it's hard. It's hard. I, I remember as a young boy, my mom would be teaching me how to pray, and she would be kneeling by my bed. My mom was very patient in, in teaching me how to pray. Thank God for that, because I was not an easy customer. For some reason, it was hard for me to get those first words out. It was hard for me to say, dear Lord, I love you. It was hard for me to get it out. It was hard. It was hard. I, was, I believed it, but it was hard to put it into practice. Sometimes we believe it, but it's hard to put it into practice. Our most influential and powerful prayers can be prayed and are prayed at the beginning of our relationship with the Lord. Isn't it amazing? You prayed the most powerful prayer that you could pray the first time you prayed. <laughs> it's foundational. Prayer is a foundational practice to encountering God's goodness. The Apostle Paul, he had a lot of things going for him in his early life. And on the outside... He said he met so many of the religious rules. He met so many of the requirements of the law that for sure that he would have a life that must attract God's favor. And this is what he said in Philippians 3, verse 7 through 9. He said, but whatever, uh, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. <laughs> he was saying, so whatever I had together, whatever I thought I was doing good, he said, now I realize those things really weren't any help to me. They're, they were actually loss. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. That's what he said about all of his goodness, of all of his great attempts at knowing God and, and following God, that I may gain Christ. It was Jesus that brought him into the presence and knowledge of God. And to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. You know, you have, according to Jesus, a powerful prayer life. 
You do. You think, oh, no, Pastor Greg, I'm, I'm even embarrassed that you would say that. I am telling you, your prayers are powerful based on the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. He has made a way for you through faith to encounter Christ, encounter his righteousness that comes from God. Isn't that, a group, isn't that amazing? That you could say a powerful prayer right now, right here today, without going through any practice of, of penance, of anything. You could just go through faith in Jesus. The gospel says you have a powerful prayer life. The gospel is such great news. You know, Jesus has given us this gift. And because of Jesus, we get to pray. We get to pray. And be ushered into the presence of God. And knowing God's goodness. Isn't that great news? That is great news. That's great news. You guys don't seem convinced. You don't seem convinced. You're like, oh, if I say yes, I know Pastor Greg's going to make me pray. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so afraid to pray out loud. Your prayer life is powerful according to the gospel. You get to talk and commune with the God of the universe. You get to put your faith into motion. You know, the things that God has put in your heart that you're believing for, he wants, through prayer, you to put those things into motion in your life. You might think, oh, my life, I've just been going through the same thing. I'm just kind of stuck in a rut. Well, this morning, things are going to change for you because you're going to begin to put your faith into motion. Jesus encourages us to take advantage of this relationship that he provides for us in prayer and we can encounter God because of him, of his goodness. So I want to talk to you this morning about three ways we can, uh, the gospel transforms our prayer life. So the first one, if you're following along on the sheet, the first blank, and I know you guys are just dying. You've been just, just what, what is that one? Anybody have a guess? No, <laughs> no one has a guess. The first one is our prayers exalt God, right? That's the first way the gospel transforms our prayer life. Is the gospel transforms that our prayers would exalt God. You know, complaining and cursing <laughs> exalt the problem, don't they? And our frustration. You know, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, he encouraged us to start our prayer with praise. He said to pray this way, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. That's a declaration of praise. It's saying, God, you are higher and greater than I am. My, you've got my attention, Lord. You are, you've got the first and highest place in my thoughts, in my life. I exalt you. And one of the first things we do, though, when we get into tough situations, is not what Jesus taught us, <laughs> is we complain, right? And complaining and cursing, they exalt the problem. When I was a young guy, when I was just starting into ministry, Carla and I were planting a church in Lloydminster, and I had got a job at a lumber yard. And I was loading trucks with lumber. And uh, one of the things that I, it really shocked me, because I just had been in college 
for a number of years around a bunch of Christian people. And I got into this lumber yard, and their approach to solving problems and challenges and frustrations was a lot different than I learned in college. <laughs> the way you solve the problem in the lumber yard was to curse as loud as you can. You, you expressed your frustration, and you called it all kinds of, of profanity. Praise, though, will put our problems into perspective. That's what happens when we, put, when we put complaining and cursing in the front. It exalts the problem. It exalts the frustration. But praise, on the other hand, it puts our problems in perspective. How does it do it? Well, praise fixes our attention on the true greatness, the true goodness, and the true power of our great God. Right? Not on the problem, on our God. Uh, Psalm 150 verse 2 says, Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. <laughs> how, how, how is it according to God's excellent greatness? Well, the psalmist said his greatness is excellent. It's perfect. That's what he said to turn your eyes to. Even the biggest problem diminishes in comparison to the splendor of our great God. So, uh, the next point on the sheet, if you're following along, that says, what is one thing you can do to vocalize as a, or you can vocalize as a praise to God today? And so I would just like you just to take a moment. Just, we're just going to take a moment at this, and then we're going to practice it, okay? So, so some things, uh, ideas that you might think of is, you know, I could praise God that he's a God who provides. I could praise God because he's a God that comforts. I could praise God because he gives me courage. I could praise God because he brings breakthroughs into my life. I could praise God for healings. I could praise God because he's a God of deliverance. I could praise God because he's a God who saves. I could praise God because my God gives me peace in the storm. I could praise God because God brings me joy. I could praise God. I could praise God. Maybe you got something else you could praise God for. And I encourage you to put it in there. And now we're all going to stand up and we're going to put this into motion, okay? We're going to put our faith into motion. I want to just get our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. And I want to ask you, I know this is going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard, okay? And so if, it, if, you're, if it's so hard, you got anxiety or whatever, uh, I release you. But I'm going to ask you to stand. If you can stand at all, I'm going to ask you to stand. Even in the balconies, yeah, even you guys up there, we're talking to everybody. And I'm going to ask you to get into some groups with people around you. And I would like you just to express what you want to praise God for, okay? What you wrote down on that spot. Or maybe you didn't write anything down, but you got some, something. I don't want no stories, just the word, okay? Just praise God. Praise God. Okay, ready? One, two, three. You can do it. You can do it. Come on. Let's get into some groups. You all look at each other in order to tell somebody something, okay? You can praise God. Because he brought breakthrough into your life. You could praise God because he healed you. You could praise God because he brought provision to you. You could praise God because he made a way for you when there was no way. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you, God. We praise you, God.
praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. We praise you, Lord. Isn't God good? You know, the, the time to praise God is not when everything is going good for you. The time to praise God is when you're staring a problem in the face. I want to encourage you, let, let praise be a problem to your problems. Okay, we're going to get on to the next one here. Number two, our prayers, if you're filling in the blanks, our prayers humble us. Our prayers humble us. So first one is our prayers exalt God. The second one is the gospel helps our prayers humble us. You know, our human nature is fallen. Our flesh wants to please itself. And one trap we're led into by our flesh is to believe that if I take your glory from you, I will have more glory. Right? You know, if I somehow, if you somehow do good, I'm going to ha- somehow do bad. So I want, I want your, I want you to do bad. You know, that's how the flesh works. Oftentimes, if someone starts doing better, then, then uh, we, we want what they got. And we believe this lie that if I diminish the value of others, then I will somehow gain more value. Have you ever experienced that? Huh? On Facebook or something, you know, someone starts to criticize something you said or something you did or you start to criticize. And it's like this, it's like this thing where we're trying to, to grasp. That's the, that's the act of our flesh. This becomes much easier to justify if someone has offended us or hurt us in some way. And it can become a trap that we fall into. And the gospel sets us free from this. It sets us free from our flesh. It sets us free from nonsense. We receive, there's the next blank. We receive our value from Jesus. Therefore, we no longer depend on rejecting others to find our value. You know, your value comes from Jesus. It comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from others. It doesn't matter what someone did. It doesn't matter what someone says. It matters what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 5. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies. Wow, isn't that a powerful statement? Who are your enemies? Who are your enemies? What are your feelings towards them? And then he went on and said, and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You know, when we come to God through the mighty name of Jesus, the opposite is actually true of these things, of of our value, our weakness, our need, our dependence on Jesus actually makes room for acceptance and value from God. You know, your weakness, your shame can actually be an attribute. It can actually propel you towards Jesus, and it can cause the grace of God to be activated in your life. Isn't that great news? James 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What is grace? Grace is God's empowering presence that helps us to be who he wants us to be and do what he wants us to do. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want to be empowered by God to be the people he created us to be? 
You know, one person that's been difficult for me, this is the last blank in that statement, in that, in that section. It says that one person that has been difficult for me to love, that I'm going to begin to pray that God will bless is. And, and you might not want to actually put their name in there because the person beside you is going to be looking at your blank. Okay, but you could, you, could, uh, you could imagine to yourself who that person is. But I want you to think, who is that person? Who's that person that's difficult for you to love? Who's that person that you want to begin to pray that God will bless? Because it's going to invite God's grace into your life as you begin to do it. Amen. I'll just give you a moment to do that. And we're not going to be praying this prayer together. But I'd like you to uh, somehow just make an action. Maybe you want to stand up or kneel down or do something uh, just to position yourself. And we're going to just say a prayer. And you can begin to pray for that person. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We're going to move into a prayer. So I just encourage you to somehow change your position. Make a motion. Make a motion to God that says, hey, God, I, I want your attention on this. I want to talk to you about something. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you from the gospel, through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus, that I have a different way to live. <laughs> Lord, it's not, about, it's not about taking from others. It's not about diminishing others. But, Lord, it's about coming to you in humility and expressing, God, our need for you. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would be gracious to us. Not because we're so good, but, Lord, because we need your grace, God. And we're just expressing our in humility this morning to say we need you to act in our lives. And, Lord, we want to just remember these people that we've written down. You've written that person's name down. Just remember them to God and say, this person, this person's been difficult in my life. This person might have, it might, might, they might have hurt you. They might have, they might have taken from you. They might have, they might have uh, offended you in some way. And I'm not diminishing that. But God, we pray. We pray for these people. Lord, we pray that you would bless these people. Lord, we pray that you would be at work in their lives. Lord, that we pray that you would be changing their hearts, that you would be drawing them to yourself in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we pray that you, you would have your hands on their lives in Jesus' name. We bless them. We bless them. We ask, let your blessing rest on these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated or whatever you're back into your chair. Sarah. Okay. We're on the last one, point three. Our prayers propel Jesus' mission. I don't know. I never heard. Are Nathaniel's parents here? They, they didn't make it? Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you in a moment. But our prayers propel Jesus' mission. So that's the last blank there, point three. Our prayers propel Jesus' mission. This is what the gospel does. The gospel gives us power. Isn't it amazing to think? Isn't it amazing to think that Jesus wants to partner with you to help his mission to be accomplished? And uh, in your prayers, your prayers make a difference in Jesus' mission. Isn't it amazing? It, it, it just befuddles me to think, Jesus, you know me. 
you know my, my weaknesses and my, and my inadequacies, and yet you decided to walk with me. So Jesus decided to make his redemptive mission possible. Uh, if being good, following rules, change, changing our behavior would do it, you know, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. You know, if, if all it meant, if we could just be, act better, if we could just stop swearing, if we could, if we could uh, stop smoking or whatever, then, you know, everything would be okay. If that was, you know, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross. His mission is about reaping the fruit, though, of what Jesus has done. Not what we have done, what he has done. And so Jesus is at work in the people's lives around us. Jesus is at work in the people around us. So we can't, we don't have to make it up. We can join him, though. We can join him in his mission. Matthew 9 and verse 38 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest fields. You know, gateway, Jesus is answering our prayer. He's answering our prayers. We're praying that people's lives would be rescued. And we've been seeing people up being baptized. Water baptized, hearing their testimonies, how Jesus has been at work in their lives. Isn't it been amazing? Jesus has been rescuing people, redeeming people, transforming people. And it's a result of your prayers. It's a result of your prayers. It's been a result of your faithfulness. It's been a result of your obedience. You're putting your faith into motion. Isn't it amazing that Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers? He asked you, would you get into motion? Would you begin to pray? That's what the gospel does, is it gives us partnership with Jesus. That we get to partner with him in his work. And he's at work redeeming in my family. He's at work redeeming in your family, in our community, all around Luke 12, verse 48 says, great gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts, greater responsibilities. <laughs> We've experienced some great gifts. We've experienced some great gifts from God. And he's asking us to partner with him. Now, uh, on the paper, I've listed three uh, of our mission projects that we're working. I didn't put uh, Alicia and Nathaniel on here because they're going to be in our service. Uh, in I think it's in two weeks. Is that right? They're going to be here in two weeks. So I didn't include them. So we're going to conclude. These are three people we've prayed and sent. Uh, Pastor Alan and Sirton, we sent from Gateway over 30 years ago. They've been in Thailand. They've been pastoring. They've been planting churches. You know, Pastor Alan and Sirton have planted churches in remote mountain villages. They've planted churches in, in, the, in larger urban centers of Chiang Mai and in, in around Chiang Mai. And then into other countries like Burma and Vietnam and some of those countries around Thailand. Isn't that amazing? All because you have prayed and you've been obedient. You've been in motion. You've been at work. Uh, Lilia, who's uh, also 
uh, discipling teams that are going into least-reached nations of the world. And uh, she's a missionary right from Prince George, right from Gateway. And uh, she's reaching people. And we've told the story how we sent her out last summer in the parking lot. We laid our hands on her and sent her. And she got COVID on the way uh, to where she was going and got sent into a, a home to recover. And while she was in that home with other people that were recovering, she started at a church. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? All because you partnered with Jesus and prayed and, and believed. You put your faith into motion. And then the TJ family. Uh, and so, so we're not naming these people specifically so that they're not exposed. Uh, they've gone into an unreached people group uh, with the gospel. And we've been in connection with them. They've just got there. And their, their family has been established. And teams are coming around them. And they have a huge thrust going on this summer. And they're going to be reaching into the community that they're in with teams that are coming to visit with them and, and help them and pray for their communities and all that. And they've invited us to go to the unreached peoples of the world and join them and do prayer walks with them and, and talk to people about Jesus. So isn't that cool what Jesus is doing? And I'm expecting we're going to hear great stories of people that are encountering the gospel because we've prayed for them. We've sent them. So as we're closing today, I want to just get us into groups. So I've listed these three, and we're going to pray for Alicia and Nathaniel when they're here in a couple of weeks. So we're not missing them. And if you want to pray for them today, I'm not stopping you. But these three, uh, I would like to ask you if you'd stand again. It was okay last time. Did anyone die during the You actually said something to somebody? You, you survived. Okay, so uh, we want to just pray. We want to pray for these ones that we've sent, that God would use them in a powerful way. Continue, that churches would continue to be planted. People would continue to encounter the gospel and give their lives to Jesus. And workers would be raised up, all those kinds. There, there would be finances and needs for them. So you can take these three. Let's pray specifically in your group for the three couple uh, people that are here. Lilia is not a couple. She's a single gal. Uh, but the three missions uh, uh, things that I have mentioned on here if you can take a moment in your groups and let's just pray and then we're going to worship and we'll be done and we're going to let you go and we're going to move into our last few hours of prayer i think pastor kimmy you're closing the service today right so we have a few minutes so i want to encourage you to pray uh and so we're going to give you about about three and a half minutes so don't pray too long okay okay all right i'll pray good prayers thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've called us to pray. You've called us to send. You called us to believe that you're at work. And Lord, we pray. We pray for these ones. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let the gospel be powerful. In Jesus' name.